0: What a joy it is, and for a dad to be able to baptize his daughter. What a wonderful morning it's already been, hasn't it? It's just a marvelous morning. I hope that you will get one of these bracelets and you'll pray for one of our youth. So much can happen this week. So much needs to happen this week. And our prayers matter and they make a difference. So I hope that you'll be praying. And then before you leave the building this morning, out in the foyer we have our new Bible reading journals. Now, many of you have been using those week by week, and they help prepare you for Sunday worship and also for the study and life group. But but some of you, I know, perhaps started and then let it fall by the wayside or haven't tried it yet. Now's a great time to reload. And so we're going to finish the second half of John, and that's what these Bible reading journals cover. So as you leave this morning, why don't you pick one up? Would you do that? And the text we're going to look at this morning comes from the reading that has been done this week by those who've been reading through their journals. It comes from a section of Scripture that most of our life groups are studying. It is a remarkable verse of Scripture a short saying of Jesus. When I read this saying, I find myself wondering, has anyone ever said more more valuable truth in fewer words than Jesus does right here? It's from John chapter 12, verse 25. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. We all, in a sense, love our lives, all of us. We all want to live rich and meaningful lives. Whether we know it or not, we all want the life of God, which the Bible calls eternal life. That's what we're seeking. Yet Jesus says not everyone will experience that kind of life. He says some people will lose their life. The verb translated lose Apollumi means more strictly destroy, the verbs in the present tense. So it seems Jesus is saying that some people, as they love their lives and as they pursue a rich and meaningful life in the very process of pursuing it, they are in the process of destroying it, of losing the very thing they seek. On the other hand, there are some people who, he says, hate their lives, and yet they keep it. They keep it unto eternal life, the Greek literally says, which means they live under the blessing of God. They lose absolutely nothing, and in the end, they pass from this life to life eternal. Now, to make sense of this statement, which is paradoxical in the extreme, we have to first understand what Jesus means by world and what he means by loving, and hating. When he speaks of the world in this verse, he doesn't mean the created world. He means society, human society, as it organizes its life apart from God. He's talking about society with its beliefs and values and attitudes and actions leading to a way of life contrary to the way of life God intends for us. That's what he's talking about. By the world, he means He means those influences that mold us into something other than what God intends. And when he speaks of loving and hating, he's using a common common figure of speech in his time. It's a Semitic figure of speech. By loving something, he means you prefer it or choose it. If you hate something, you shun it. So Jesus is saying that some people by preferring a certain way of life, loving a certain way of life. He means their life in this world. He says, by pursuing that way of life and choosing it, they ensure that they are going to lose it in the end. In fact, not just lose it in the end, they ensure that even as they live out their lives, they'll destroy it. But those, instead of, Choosing that way, shun that way. They don't want the world's way. They want to follow Jesus Christ and they become His disciples. Those people will keep their life unto life eternal. So, those are the two choices that we have. Jesus sets them out before us. And in a sense, He says, Our faith is in our own hands. I realize, in another sense, it's all in God's hands, but you know what I'm saying. Jesus gives us a choice. Those who love their lives in this world or choose that kind of life that's shaped by the world, by sinful society, will destroy their lives. In fact, they're in the process of destroying their lives. In the end, they'll lose everything. Those who shun that way of life and choose the way of Jesus Christ, they lose nothing. They lose nothing and have all that they ultimately desire to have. That's the choice between before us. Now, none of this is arbitrary. See, sometimes people think that God lays down rules and then he assigns arbitrary punishments to try to keep people in line. Sort of like when I taught class at Baylor. I laid down rules, and then if you didn't obey the rules, you would have points deducted or you would have extra credit taken away. I would use points, but those points aren't really connected with the rule itself. It's something I impose to try to to get conformity. And can you imagine how hard it is to get conformity from a big class of freshmen? It's not easy. So those were arbitrary punishments and arbitrary rewards. That's not what the Lord is talking about here. The Hebrew concept of sin and its punishment is very different from the way we often think of it. It's not like God sets down rules and assigns arbitrary punishments. Instead, sin and its punishment comes together. There's an interesting verse that brings this out. You remember the story of Cain, the firstborn son of humankind, he kills his brother Abel, and as a result, God sends him out of the garden, and Cain exclaims, my punishment is more than I can bear. The word punishment is avon in Hebrew. Interestingly, avon can also be translated, in fact, it's usually translated sin or iniquity. It can be translated both ways. And that fact points to a deeper truth that runs throughout Scripture, and that is that sin contains its own punishment. There is no separation between sin and its consequences. They are one and the same, like two sides of the same coin. Or you might think about Smoking cigarettes. You inhale cigarette smoke, and with that cigarette smoke, you inhale more than 250 harmful chemicals. Did you know that? Like arsenic and benzene. Get this one. And formaldehyde. That seems fitting. (laughs) And nicotine. Now, the nicotine will give you a quick little high, but you take all these chemicals together, and we know it is poison, and there is not a single organ in our body that isn't adversely affected by cigarette smoke. So, when you breathe in the cigarette smoke, you're breathing in all the poison with it. It's not like you've got cigarette smoke, and then you've got the poison somehow separated from it but added to it. The cigarette smoke consists in the poison along with other things. So you don't separate the two. You take it in and you get it all. That's the way sin is. You breathe in sin and you get the punishment with it. That's why Moses, when he was warning some of the Israelites... He said, you know, you better keep your promise to God. He said, if you don't, your sin will find you out. That's interesting. He's talking about punishment. But he doesn't say you will be punished. He says your sin will find you out because your sin and your punishment, it's one reality. It's one thing. So God's not adding arbitrary punishments to rules that he lays down. And what Jesus is giving us here is not just some arbitrary command, but rather he is stating a spiritual principle. This principle is true at all times. No one can brush it aside. No one can undo it. It's always at work. The person who chooses the the beliefs and values and attitudes and actions that characterize society at odds with God, that person is in the process of destroying their lives and they'll lose everything. The person who shuns that, hates it in the language of Jesus, and instead follows the way of Christ, they will keep their life, their precious life, the one thing God has given them, of greater value than all other things, they can keep their life and they will keep it to life eternal. And so this is quite a verse. This is saying some very, very important things and something that we need to think about in terms of ourselves. So to unpack it just with a few, you know, few examples, I don't want to get in too much detail here. We could go forever talking about different areas, but let's, let's narrow it down. Quite a few years ago, Christian writer named Richard Foster wrote a book titled Money, Sex and Power. I rushed out and bought a copy. I think that title gives us it gives us a good paradigm, pattern for us to look at what Jesus is talking about. Let's start with money. There are people who live their lives for money. In fact, there are many people who live their lives for money. They want nothing more than money and what it can buy them. They love it with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if they're really smart and they work really hard and they're lucky, they'll amass a lot of money. But what will be the result? Will they Keep their life? Will they find the rich and meaningful life they desire? Not if what Jesus said is true. I know of a man, I know a man who, who is wealthy beyond imagination, or at least beyond my imagination. I, he, he can buy anything he wants, really. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a billionaire, he can buy anything he wants can he buy a good life can he buy the blessing of god you know he consumes things he for which he has no need and he travels for no particular purpose he lives alone as far as i can tell he has no friends he seems he seems joyless and, and I say this without any sense of self-satisfaction or feeling superior. I don't at all. I say this just in honest truth. I feel sorry for him. Now think about that. Me, feeling sorry for a billionaire. But I do. Because amassing all that money doesn't accomplish anything. To make that your goal in life, Jesus says, means you're in the process of destroying your life. And who wants that? So what we must do if we want what Jesus intends for us to have, we need to shun that way of life and instead follow Christ. And what that means when you get down to it in a very practical way is we need to come to the place where we don't, grasp after money, but where we give it away. See, until you can give it away, you're still a slave to money. But when you can give it away freely, generously, now, now you know Jesus Christ. He's made a difference in your life. See, that's a different way of life. And that way of life, well, that leads to eternal life. So we give. We give generously. We give to the church through the church. We give to people in need. We give for good causes everywhere. So money, sex. Well, we live in a sex-obsessed society. I think everybody knows that. The amount of time and money we give both directly and indirectly to secure sex is astonishing. And yet people do it all the time. I mean, this is, this is what people are seeking in order to find some kind of happiness. It's become so important to us that some people actually, actually form their identity around it and do so explicitly. And yet... In the pursuit of that, which is what society values, what do we do? Well, we go about destroying our lives. Count up the divorces. I mean, reckon with the child abuse, the sexual addiction, and the perversion. Think about all that happens to people like us in here To those of you watching online, think about all that happens because of this mad pursuit. That's part of loving our life in this world. That's choosing the beliefs, the values, the attitudes, and the actions of a society that doesn't know God, and it leads to self-destruction. We lose it all. We lose it all. Instead, we must shun that, And be faithful followers of Jesus. Which when you get right down to it, here's how you'll know you're doing that. As you seek to follow Christ, you make it your purpose to avoid people and situations that will lead you into sin. You make it your purpose to avoid people and situations that will lead you into sin. That's in a concrete sense what it means to shun that way of life. So, money, sex, power. People want power. We don't always realize that because power and the quest for it takes so many different forms. We don't always recognize it for what it is. In fact, oftentimes people seek wealth because they do want power. Wealth gives them power to control their life, they think. It gives power to protect oneself from things they don't want. can give power over other people. And so often the pursuit of wealth is all about power, but there are lots of ways that people uh, pursue power. It may be through climbing some corporate ladder so that you can dictate to people and you can sit in your high and holy perch. It can be through bullying people or manipulating people. There are lots of ways in which we seek to control people and control our world like little gods. And when we do it, that's more of that same worldliness. That's loving our lives in this world. That's shaping our life by this society. And all the things we do to try to keep control, what is the result of it? Same thing. In the process, we're destroying our life. Instead, we need to shun that and we need to put all our trust and hope in Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, we repudiate the idea that we can or should control our lives and control the lives of other people, to expand our power so that we're able to dictate. No, we don't do that. Instead, we submit all to Christ. And in a concrete way, what it looks like is this. When you're following Jesus Christ, you think about and talk about not yourself and what you want, or at least not so much about yourself and what you want, but about God and about other people. See, you're Thoughts and your words reflect where your heart is and your thoughts and words on God and other people balances out that self-concern. And that's what it looks like to shun that kind of quest for power and to follow Jesus Christ. So money, sex, and power. We could talk about a lot of things, but that's that's getting to a whole lot of life, isn't it? That's getting to a whole lot of life. So Jesus says, if you love your life, he implies, in this world, you'll lose it. If you hate your life in this world, you'll find it. So what does all this mean for us in this room, for those of you who are watching online? Well, it means, first of all, for those of us who are not yet Christians, it means that Whatever pursuit you're on is bound to lead to disappointment at one time or another unless unless you're following the way of God. And you can't follow the way of God until you first become a Christian and Jesus Christ becomes your Lord. What you have to do is repudiate the beliefs, the values, the attitudes, and the actions of this world of the society as it currently exists, and learn to follow the way of Jesus. That is the way of blessing and life. That allows you to keep your life. It won't be easy to do it. You know, when we form our life around certain beliefs and values, it can feel like death to give that up to follow Jesus. Jesus himself said that. Said you have to die to yourself. So it does feel like a death sometimes. He says you have to take up your cross, which is an implement of death. So it can be challenging and difficult to make that decision, but it is a choice for life. To choose otherwise, there's no exemption from the consequences. There can be none. To choose that other life is to choose what goes with it inevitably. Think about breathing in that cigarette smoke. You breathe in the way of life that the society offers, and you get what you get. But if you follow Christ, you get something else. Now, it's hard, and I'll tell you, here's one thing I promise you, I guarantee you. There will be plenty of people who tell you it's not necessary. Sometimes even Christians will tell you, oh, listen, you don't have to go that far. You don't have to go that far. You don't, don't be a Puritan. Don't be a fanatic. Come on. That's, that, don't be such a fundamentalist. You don't have to go that far. You can still do this. You can still be that way. They'll make all kinds of excuses for you. Everybody, everybody lives like this. Everybody, it's, it, you don't have to be a fanatic to be a Christian. God is gracious. It's okay. You don't have to worry about it. That's what they say. And it's oh, so tempting when it's already hard to make the choice. But let me respond by simply reading briefly what Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. What about for Christians? Well, the fact is, if you are a Christian, you have already received salvation. You've put your trust in Jesus Christ. You are born again. And that that is the greatest transformation that can happen to a human being. But we still have to walk out that life, don't we? And we live in a a society turned away from God, and there's still imperfection in us, and so we can be tempted and we can be led astray. Absolutely. And when we are, we can still make shipwreck of our faith. So what should we remember? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul said. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that apart from you, there is no good for us. We sometimes get tangled up in things that lead us away from you. And, Lord, sometimes we just flat out choose those things that lead away from you. But, Lord, we know that to love our life in this world, to choose a worldly form of life, is to choose against life. And, Lord, may you, by your Holy Spirit, convict each one of us where We've been making the wrong choices. And may you especially convict those, help them to see their true state, Lord, of those who've not received Christ as Savior, and they need to see it. They need to understand it. It needs to be brought home to them, Lord, as it has been to to me and to others in this room. Lord, as we all come to that point of honesty that is painful but necessary, So, Lord, we do pray that you would convict us of that. We also pray that you would help us to see a different way of life and to help us to to hunger and thirst for it, to seek it, and may you grant it to us, Lord. May you, by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, lead us to a better way, take us to a higher realm, Lord, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.